build that content. And then when somebody comes to your website through the top of funnel stuff or middle of funnel stuff, or through your ads now at the top of the funnel where you're paying cheap, you now have content to remarket them to answer their questions. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's Amazon Profit quiz.com to get your free instant analysis if you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 388 hey folks welcome back to the 10k collective podcast for six seven eight figure amazon private label sellers today we're talking a related but quite different business model which is high ticket drop shipping with ben knegendorf of dropshipbreakthrough.com now if you're getting business model tunnel vision you might want to broaden your vision as a serious e-commerce operator in 2022 23 and beyond because the cash flow characteristics and the insights you get from this business model could actually work beautifully if you get the order and sequence right with a private label business as well i'm going to say no more about that we're going to say stay tuned because you should educate yourself about this business model if nothing else the cash flow characteristics of it are very attractive in particularly going to tough economic times i think that alone is a reason to take it seriously so some quite advanced stuff is not your typical drop shipping nonsense so stay tuned take notes and enjoy the show with ben kneganov on high ticket drop shipping i've had discussions with my drop shipping client about this it did strike me that Sometimes Google Shopping doesn't give you very much control. Is that because he'd set it up the wrong way or what is going on with Yeah, so they definitely push you towards performance max nowadays. It used to be smart shopping. Look, I'll give you a little story, Michael. And I sure hope this story is right because I tell this story often, but this is how I heard it. There was a company in Europe. Their goal was to create an AI computer that could win the game Chinese Go against the best in the world. Chinese Go is the hardest board game there is. There's something like a million moves every time you have a turn that you can choose from. So the best players in the world laughed. They thought, no, there's no way a computer will beat us. Their AI got so good, it beat the best guys in the world 100 games to zero. And then they sat there and they were like, what do we do with a computer that can play Chinese Go? They were like, the learning engine's pretty important. So they fired up a new computer, gave it the ability to learn, but taught it nothing. They essentially, quote unquote, put it in the same room as the Chinese Go computer and said, hang out. Within 30 days, the new computer that was taught nothing just knew how to learn beat the old computer 100 games to nothing. And that sparked Google's interest. Google came over and said, that's interesting technology. They bought the company. This became the essence of all of their smart things. So there's uh, audiences called like smart lists, which I would recommend you use. That's one of their best lists they have. They also had enhanced bidding early on, and then it became smart shopping. And now it's performance max. And it's all based on their AI. 
and they want you to use this. And look, these $40 products I carry, they work. Honestly, it didn't beat me by much, but it beat me on my system versus their new system. And it works really well. Where it doesn't work is on something that costs $3,000, $5,000 because there is no impulse purchase there. There is no one. Imagine if we were running Facebook ads for an infrared sauna that costs $5,000 and you're scrolling, you're scrolling, and then you see a guy sweating, which makes you stop. And he's like, oh, that infrared sauna was the greatest thing ever. And here's the benefits it has. Click here. No one's going to click through and then be like, yep, $5,000 buying it today. There's a longer buying cycle on higher price products. People do more research. And so I would encourage someone who's selling high ticket products to set up the funnel the way we just described it so that you can capture the people at the top of the funnel, but you're not paying two, three, four dollars a click for those people. You might pay five cents, 10 cents because they're important to you, but they're very far away from purchasing. They might be problem aware, but they're not solution aware. They might be solution aware, but they're not product aware, right? And so we have to move them down that funnel and we can do so by setting up our own, what we call a priority funnel on Google so that you can target exact intent keywords based like where you want them to be and pay what you want to pay for them rather than what Google. If you just set up performance max, you get no data, zero. Google does all of the work behind the scenes and they'll tell you whether you're doing good or bad. And that's it. You get no keyword data where I want to know the keyword data. I want to understand what I'm bidding on and why I'm bidding on it. Wow. Just super insightful, all of that stuff. I mean, it's, it sounds like AI, yeah, it just needs lots and lots of data points, doesn't it? And also, yeah, it has its applications in some places, not others. So that's very interesting that it just doesn't work for you. And I guess that it's funny how AI, in my experience, limited experience of it in internet marketing, I know lots of my friends that have had more experience, for example, with Facebook ads and so forth, that yes, the AI systems can work super well, but you need to give it a heck of a lot of data. And they don't really, it, it's not very good at, it still hasn't got a handle on human psychology in the level that you have, for example, with a high ticket. That may change in 10 years time. Who knows? Yeah. They're always improving. But yeah, that's very interesting and it's very clear. Great. So what happens after that then? So in our journey, we've got our priority funnel set up on, on Google. How do you account for the fact that unlike an Amazon where we can be primitive, you spend one on ads, they're mostly got a high purchase intent on Amazon. They're shopping, not surfing or even searching for info. And that's the world I'm familiar with. And you, it's fairly quick, direct response in the sense that people, you spend money now and people not only give you something, but they give you money, which is really nice. Obviously, you're in a different situation if somebody's looking for infrared sauna. So what do you do? Do you capture them emails? And how do you actually kind of move them down your funnel in a way that doesn't bankrupt you? Yeah, so first things first, right? We're going to target people who are further down the funnel, right? Initially, when you first start your business, it's all ads. You're going to need to acquire people at the bottom of the funnel. Hopefully, you've created a product page that's different than the other 10 people who sell the same product online. You're not just using the same images and the same copy. You're going to want to be different somehow. Rewrite that. A lot of people have what my friend Kurt Elser calls IREA. You're going to want to not like brand does feature, but like it's just very brands don't know how to write stuff super well, usually. And so if you can go in there and say, and I can talk directly to Michael, I know Michael's in, I know what he searched to get here. So I can say, you're in the mood for this. Dr. Andrew Huberman says that if you're in a sauna over 176 degrees, four days a week, that lowers your all-cause mortality by 50%. Give them like real stuff that gets them encouraged to buy this and then actually sells them the product that, hey, this one has low EMF and the cedar is what you're going to want for 
low bacteria growth or whatever it may be around an infrared sauna. Like you're going to want to actually talk to the customer and then give them a compelling offer. That's not just the same as everybody else is doing online. And that could be as simple as throwing in a, a, an ebook that you compile together, throwing in a, a like an infrared sauna, like a backrest to lean on in there or a set of towels that are ultra soft and meant for you to get out of the sauna and wipe off all that sweat and feel amazing. It could be anything to create a better offer so that you can close the deal, right? So that's the bottom of the funnel people. You're going to get sales from that. I promise you right now, you're going to get sales from the bottom of the funnel people, but you're right. You have to continue filling this bucket and you're going to have to do some remarketing. Google makes this easy. You can, again, the world of the pixel feels like it's dying. It's definitely not yet. And so you're going to want to pixel people and follow them around the internet not just with a picture of the product, but with content. And so that's where John and I, I think separate ourselves is like the other people who teach something similar to this, they teach you how to run ads and then wish you the best of luck. And where I've personally had the most success is through search engine optimization. You're going to need to write content. You're going to need to, as my friend George says, solve their problem, whether they give you their credit card or not. So just go answer every question they have, build out content. A good resource for this is answerthepublic.com. Just go to answerthepublic.com, type in, whatever like niche you're in. So like for me, this is like glucosamine for dogs. If you went there and typed in glucosamine for dogs, it's going to spout out all sorts of questions and prepositions and things people are searching online. That's your content. You should have enough content for a year now just by using that website. Go build that content. And then when somebody comes to your website through the top of funnel stuff or middle of funnel stuff or through your ads now at the top of the funnel where you're paying cheap, you now have content to remarket them to answer their questions they're already asking around this product so that you can chase them around and answer a question or follow them around with a video that like encourages them to take the next step in their journey and works them down the funnel to where ultimately you're solving their problem with the sauna. They may not have been aware they needed, but you're working them all the way down to, oh, this is the product that actually solves my problem. Amazing. Now, this starts to feel to me like, and I guess we're talking to a slightly different audience here from somebody who's starting out with their first main, first serious business online, if you like. So if you've got somebody who's got a private label business, presumably this kind of stuff off Amazon marketing, as it's called in the Amazon world, you know how Amazon is in its own little ecosystem slash bubble, or marketing as the rest of the internet calls it, it is becoming more of a thing for Amazon sellers. Now, as a private label business owner yourself would you say that you can do this kind of stuff and start to drive traffic to your own products if you have that as well is this a strategy that applies to private label products i'm actually really glad you asked that so there's two different answers to this one for the private label just straight up private label people 100 percent, you can drive this amazon now gives you a brand referral bonus outside traffic is like crack to them right so if you can generate traffic on your own website and say, hey, go buy on Amazon, they're going to appreciate that extra traffic. They're going to give you a kickback nowadays. It's actually a pretty good deal for you to learn some external marketing because you can only optimize so far into the A9 algorithm. And, and then at that point, how else are you going to drive more traffic? So that works great. The other side of this is, and I've been part of a few businesses where we've done this. Imagine if you're selling, we'll go with e-bikes. By the way, don't ever do e-bikes terrible niche, but imagine you're selling e-bikes and you rank number one for the term e-bike. Now that's going to take some work. That's going to take some SEO effort. But if you rank number one for the term e-bike, number one, you're going to sell a lot of the brands you sell as products. But at that point, what is stopping you from going out and creating your own e-bike? First off, you've gotten a ton of sales in the industry. So you have a cash flow to work with. 
you've heard from a million customers, man, I wish the e-bike had this, or I wish this this company carried that, or I wish it came with this. You've got all the data in the world based on how you can make the product better, how you can make it more functional. And now you have all the traffic too. So that's the perfect time for you to actually come in, launch your own brand. And on that article that is best e-bikes 2022 that you're ranking number one for, simply put your brand is number one because it is number one. You've listened to everyone's complaints and you've made a better product. And now you have the traffic too. So I actually think this is a driver for your ability to cash flow in the beginning, learn a lot about your customer, and then simply step in front of them with your own products. And I've done this on a few different brands. Like it. Again, a- another myth busted, if that's the right phrase, that dropshipping is not just for beginners. It, in fact, it is not just a, a separate thing. So I guess within one business, eventually you can have more than one business model. For example, you could have a, a shop that, I'm again sticking with bikes. I like cycling. I don't really have a e bike, but they're all the rage everywhere. And yeah. imagine you develop your own e bike, and but you also sell whatever the other big e bikes are. I have no idea what the brands are in your shop. So there's nothing to have stop you having both. And as you say, to have the cash flow first is a very attractive proposition because that is the big downside of the private label business. Um, I guess that brings me to the other thing, which which might be these feel a bit more like advanced sort of questions, but. I try and make sure I serve that segment out there as well. It's just that you can start today online if you're already online. Can I interrupt real quick before we get to the... Yeah, yeah. I want to give one more example, just to be clear. You don't need to start your own private label brand. You can buy them. So my partner, Brian Angel, and I own standingdestination.com, where we sold standing desks. And one of the companies we worked with was owned by a billion dollar company who sold a lot of standing desks, but that was not you know a big enough number for their size. And so we acquired them. We... We drove to Chicago, met with them, ended up being virtually because it was like negative 50 that day. It was a weird day. But we acquired that brand. And now we already knew how it was selling. We already knew the keywords. We just acquired it. And we did it on seller financing, which is the best way to acquire a business. So you're not putting any money down. You're just, it's paying you out as you go. And then we started selling that brand. And then Brian went and acquired a treadmill desk brand and brought it in underneath that brand. And so we started being a drop shipper, being a retailer. We acquired a brand, then we acquired another brand. And now Brian is the proud owner of InMovement.com. Him and I parted ways since, but he's doing amazing. I'm super happy for him. And there's so many different ways for you to do business. I think online, you often like, whatever guru you run into, this is the one that works, right? This is all the other ones are poor. And that's not true. Every business model works. There wouldn't be somebody teaching it if they didn't have success in it in the first place. And so I can poo on some that aren't assets, but they all make money, right? And I don't know. I just like showing people that there's a million different ways. And whether you do Michael's way or Ben's way or Jim on the internet's way, like it doesn't really matter. I just, e-commerce changed my life. And I want desperately everyone listening to this to go take action and change theirs too. Whether you follow me or follow someone else, I don't really care. Just don't live the the rat race anymore. Just go do something. Yeah, I like it. And and by the way, um, you're thinking bigger than me. I was thinking, can you create a sellable business out of this? And we'll talk about that because you mentioned that. but. Yeah, being able to buy an asset that somebody else has created. Of course, you've got cash flow and therefore cash reserves. Um, you can go and buy it. And then you blew that out of the water as well. well. Yeah, you don't even need the cash because it's seller financing. So I guess in the end, what what caused them to sell to you for no money down then? How did you even persuade them to do that deal? Yeah, I've done that a, a couple of times. This particular deal, again, it was owned by a billion dollar conglomerate. I'm not even sure if I can talk too much more in depth than that at this point. But they... I believe the story is they brought in a CEO who said, hey, we sell these products. Why not sell these as well? 
it didn't go like they sold a lot. The number's bigger than I think you're thinking in your head right now, but that was small compared to the size of their business, their entire business. And so they let the CEO go. New CEO came in and said, what are we doing that for? Let's cut it. And so they were essentially just going to shut it down. And we had the ability to say, hey, we're selling a ton of these for you. We'd love to come in and just first off, the, I think we first said, let's buy everything you have currently and we'll we'll reap the rewards of being the only ones online who have any of this left. And then it morphed into a conversation of, okay, what would it look like to actually own this IP and own this brand? And that's where the conversations began. So I, honestly, like I think there's more brands and businesses out there who they just want to be done. The boomer generation, especially, there's a lot of people retiring very soon. Some of those are online. Some of those are not who are more than happy to just be done. And seller financing is a way for them to be done now. I don't, I, I don't know. I've been bought out of a couple of business, all seller finance as well, where I got paid over time. And it's something I guess I'm used to now. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And it's not, it's definitely not something that's unheard of anymore. It's very, it's a very popular way to exit or acquire a business. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 388. I love it. And the nice thing about that is that I'm over in the UK and quite a few of the listeners are, though quite a few in the US as well. But a lot of the things like the small business loans and so forth that you use to get to acquire a business in America on credit aren't available in UK, but really seller financing. It's pretty much available anywhere that the seller's willing to do that. That's fantastic. And then the other thing that follows off from that, you were talking about every business model works, but I'm down on some that aren't assets. So tell me about that. My perception would be private label brands or especially custom product brands are sellable because I know a lot of people who sold them 100%. involved on the edges of some of those deals. So is that true for a dropshipping business? And how come it is? What's defensible about yeah. So I would encourage your listeners to go to quietlightbrokerage.com or empireflippers.com, both places I've sold businesses and go look through what's for sale. And you, you, you won't see is, uh, arbitrage businesses, somebody selling stuff from walmart.com on Amazon. They're not on there, right? Because those aren't assets. Nobody wants to buy a business that can be shut down tomorrow by Amazon or have, you know, honestly customers who are really mad at you for doing what you're doing to them. Whereas a private label brand, you have IP, you have, you have customers, you have a customer list. Same with drop shipping, right? You're making a lot of sales. Now you might be selling someone else's product, but that doesn't mean you're not making sales. You're acquiring your own customers. And if you have Google ads traffic, SEO traffic, possibly Pinterest traffic, your own email list, like you have value there. You have real assets that somebody's interested in coming buying, let alone you have cash flow and a history of cash flow that people are buying on. So I think if you went to either one of those sites right now, you're going to see a whole lot of private label businesses, direct to consumer businesses. You're also going to see a lot of dropshipping businesses and you're going to see some affiliate businesses. Again, things that have real hard assets that are generating dollars, not something that is necessarily a job. I'm not sure how to describe it. Like there, there just is no one's interested in buying your arbitrage business. And I'm not saying that the market's saying that, right? And so yeah. I might sound like the boogeyman right now, but go look on those sites where they sell businesses. No one's interested in buying your business. That's why they don't exist. Sure. Now, I'm not particularly out to defend retail arbitrage personally. I've never really fancied the idea of slipping around a local Walmart. Sounds like a horror movie to me. I have zero interest, but I know people that love it and are passionate, hence why I'm, I'm interested in your view. But I, you make an excellent point. So then the other question is, in what way are uh, is a shop or in what aspect is a shop, sorry, a drop shipping business, hard assets that are generating cash? I can see that in the private label business because you've got a lot mm. of 
IP around the products themselves. Whereas, of course, you're reselling somebody else's products. So how does that, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I just want to understand how is that a hard asset in what aspects of a hard, hard asset? Yeah, I think I'd flip it on ahead and ask you, like, what isn't, what isn't a hard asset there? What immediately comes up for you is what worries you? Good question. I don't know the model enough to know the things that would really worry me, but I guess the fact that I'm selling somebody else's products would tell me that I'm dependent on a relationship with another business, which could decide to no longer sell to me, for example. And when you're private labeling, are you relying on a Chinese manufacturer who could decide to stop selling to you at any moment? To a degree, and a lot of people are. And by the way, I think that's really terrible business practice. One is the loneliest number in business, as they say. So there are a lot of people that do that. But the smarter sellers that I know have a very clear bill of materials and and IP in their designs, such that is quite portable from factory to factory. So that's an interesting point. I think those who are dependent on one factory are very vulnerable particularly right now if they're sourcing from China. So an excellent point. But I think the smarter people are a bit more diversified with that. I guess so I think, I'll answer my own question because you could do the same with dropshipping. Right? So I think you'll see a difference in multiples based on what you just talked about, right? So if you're a private label brand and you're only on Amazon, your multiple is smaller than if you're on Amazon and you also get 30% of your sales on your Shopify store and you have an email list of 20,000 people, you're gonna get a higher multiple for that. So same goes for drop shipping. If the majority of what you sell is one brand and even one product, your multiple is gonna be really low. There's a lot of risks there, right? If you sell multiple brands and it's pretty spread out and you get traffic again from multiple sources and you have an email list, there's a lot to go on there, let alone you're always selling on your history, right? Nobody's buying forward looking. Now the aggregators were a different story. They raised a lot of money. They made a lot of poor decisions. There's a reason a lot of them don't exist anymore or are about to not exist anymore. People are buying on previous data. So typically on everything I've sold, they look at your last 12 months profit and I've sold anything from something at a 28 month. That was the first business I sold 28 months or whatever that is 2.3 X multiple yearly to up to a 7.5 is the highest that I've exited for. And so all of that varied based on how much we're selling, how varied what we're is selling and how varied it is, like how we are acquiring the traffic in the first place. Like how much risk is there is really what it's about, right? If I'm only getting traffic from Google ads and I'm only selling one brand, that's two failure points that are very scary, right? Google could say you're done or that brand could say you're done and then my business is done. And so the more varied you can be throughout products, throughout traffic sources, the higher multiple you're going to have, the less risk it is to the buyer. Fantastic. So I think Ben, you've managed to pull off an amazing thing, which is to not only get rid of the stigma around a whole sort of business model, i.e. they were dropshipping, but also to to go from a clear way that anyone can start from scratch to also showing why this is a model for sophisticated operators as well, or in one go. So that's a very impressive. And you certainly Thanks. removed my sort of prejudices around dropshipping. One of you guys got in touch about this. I was like, oh, do I really want to get into this? Is this a good topic and as i say the fact that i'd experienced with a client high ticket drop shipping which i want to emphasize because that's your model right and that's what i'd seen him do there was all the difference in the world with that price point as you said so rightly i mean i think that's really critical and something by the way a lot of private labelers could do well to learn from have you obviously you're selling something that does not look like a super high ticket price point product that if you were holding just now your private label product is there a way in which you would transfer the learning of the high ticket not model but insight if you like the way it changes things how would you transfer that across the private label or is that Mm. just expensive would you 
Yeah, two things. Number one, if you're just going to do private label, that's going to be expensive, right? But you should position yourself as the premium. Don't go out there to match everyone else. Like you should, you should create the best product on the market and you should charge accordingly for it. The more value you can bring, the more value you can ask for in return in dollars. Whereas the, one of the examples I gave you earlier was we rank number one. Not only do we rank number one, we rank number one and number two for the main term in our industry and we sold a ton of other people's products and we started hearing complaints of this one was the thing we sold the most of was a bundle of five products i am so close to being able to talk about this by the way i'm like two months away from being able to actually openly talk about it it'll be fun finally but i'll give you the best i can so it was like a bundle of five products which became one big product and each one of those so we'll say number one had this issue number two had this issue number three had this and we were like should we just launch these little pieces that added up to one big piece or should we just try to solve this master problem here and that's the way we ended up going was like since we ranked number one and number two we were getting all the traffic we were known in our industry as the place to go for this product we just went out and solved all the things that our customers were telling us which in turn led us to selling an eight thousand dollar ten thousand dollar product and when you have similar margins to what you have on private label and you're selling a ten thousand dollar product and you already have the traffic and you know you have the best product that's a recipe for extreme success Wow. Yeah, that really is like the golden sort of combination of everything. That's quite extraordinary. Well, Ben, we can't really follow that. So let's just quickly give people a chance to find more from you. If they need to find out more from you, where do people hear from you or find out more from you? If you're listening to this, you're likely a podcast junkie like I am. And so I would encourage you to just check out our podcast. It's Dropship Podcast. Again, SEO. I named it. What I thought would get searched, so dropshippodcast.com. I would encourage you to start at the beginning. Everything you learn today, we go into further depth on that podcast and just walk you through the entire business model. Again, I don't care if you buy our stuff. I'd love for you, if you want that someone to hold your hand, to come check out our course. But if you want to just learn this stuff, go listen to the podcast and see if you resonate with me. My partner's Australian. We banter a lot about random stuff. And so maybe you enjoy that. Maybe you don't. Just come see whether you like us and check out the business model. And then, of course, if you're ready for the course, that's where we can hold your hand. That's where we teach you not only how to start, but how I've been able to help a company go from 1 million to 11 million that I was part of in just two years. John's also been to eight figures. And um, we don't want to just help you start. We want to help you take this to the next level. And so that's what our course is about. I believe we're putting together a good deal for you today, Michael. I want to say amazingfba.com slash dropship is where you can get a good deal. We'll give you $300 off our course. We'll give you a six month trial of our elite membership, which is like our private Slack group with most of our students are in there. We also do group coaching in there. We do live calls with our students as well. And we want to give you a, a nice long free trial of that. And you can find that again at amazingfba.com slash. Amazing. Ben, you really opened my eyes. I love the way you think about business models and you're right. Really, we get all locked into particular business models that we're defensive about those. And I've, I've fallen into that chart with private labeling because the truth is, as you just said, I'm going to go back to all my clients to say, okay, so you think you're selling a business. Tell me again, do you just have one supplier for that product? Because that is a very important conversation. So as you said, in, en- in the end, it comes down to the risk profile. If you've got one traffic source and one product, you're at high risk. If you've got multiple traffic sources, multiple different products or different relationships for the supply of the products, then it's much more defensible, higher business value. Makes total sense. Um, so that's that's excellent way of looking at it. Ben, is there anything else I should have asked you, which I haven't? No, usually people are like, can you give one piece of parting advice? And I'll just like the same thing I tell every time. It's just start. If there's anyone listening to this who hasn't started, you're going to learn so much more falling on your face and getting rejected by a supplier. If you're doing what I'm doing or 
getting those hello dear emails from the Chinese suppliers and just the you're going to learn a ton going through this process that you're not going to learn ingesting content. I fell into that myself. If all you do is continue to take in this information, you feel like you're doing something and you're not. You're learning and there's nothing wrong with learning. And I can't stop learning myself, but action is where you're going to learn the most. So just go take that first step. I don't care what business model you're doing. Go take that first step today. Spend two hours finding your human, finding your product, calling a supplier, whatever you need to do, just go do something and get the momentum moving. And I promise you, you won't look back. Great advice, put in a very unique way as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for opening my eyes and hopefully the listeners as well to dropshipping as a high ticket dropshipping as a really interesting and, you know, very attractive business model. Ben, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 388. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.